Okay, and we are live with the 12th episode of Absolute AppSec. Uh, we're here from live from Locomoco Security Conference in Kona, Hawaii, joined by uh, our co my co-host, Seth Law. Seth, say hi from Utah. Uh, yeah, yeah, rub it in a little bit more. <laughs> I, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I want to see that shot of the snow outside your window again. Oh, actually, we're okay right now, I, but but we are expecting snow again in like two days. So, well, yeah, you know, actually, what's funny is when I get home on Sunday, it'll it will be snowing. So, or it will have snowed on Saturday evening. So, oh, your life is so hard. <laughs> it is very tough. You know, I got a sunburn today from snorkeling. So, oh, no. you know, things are pretty much samesies between you and I. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, so we're joined by Justin Collins, and I'm going to let Justin talk a little bit about himself, obviously, um, including we always ask our guests, like, how did you get into AppSec? So we'll get into that. But uh, I mean, I've we Seth and I have both known Justin for a while, but I think you and I met first in 20. Uh, you were working at Twitter. I was working at Living Social. Uh, I brought you in for training. Yep, that's true. And uh, because you were the, I remember like Googling static analysis for Ruby on Rails and there was, there was nothing like there, you know, everything was a hundred thousand dollar product for like uh, C sharp or Java. Right. But there was nothing that existed for, for Ruby on Rails. So then you see, you have built this free, like free Rails specific static analysis tool. So that was amazing, and uh, like obviously, since then you've done a lot for the community. How many didn't you say? I think you had tweeted, or the Breakman Pro, or Break Breakman or Breakman Pro account had tweeted like there were one million downloads or something, or a hundred thousand or something like that. Uh, Ten million. Ten million of yeah, Breakman. You gotta take that with a little grain of salt because the like the the Ruby gem downloads like even it, like if you put up a gem that does nothing, you'll get like some downloads just because there are like bots and stuff that download gems, but right. um, yeah, and pretty exciting. Yeah, well, so the, also it helps to be around for a while. Um, Breakman had its seventh birthday last year. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Um, 100th release last year. I tried to time 100th release 4.0 and uh, the seven year anniversary and it, it didn't work out, but I tried. <laughs> well, um, I mean, besides Breakman and, and, and obviously Breakman Pro, um, you put together app application security programs uh, uh, at Twitter, at uh, currently Survey. I think for SurveyMonkey, you built some uh, app AppSec there. Yeah, um, sure. So you've you've worked. The, I did not build the application security program at Twitter, just to be clear. Oh, you did. You did uh, I didn't like build that. Well, okay, I was well, part I was, of it. Was you part were of part it. of it, right? I was there. Yes, which is, <laughs> and I'm shaking that the camera, so my apologies, but uh, um, deal with it, I guess. Sorry, it's free <laughs> podcast. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I know it's super professional of me to say. Um, in fact, yeah, I will though. Let me see. I'll try to make this. Now we have Ken's hand. <laughs> Ken's yeah, gonna show us. Oh, we're getting ocean. 
Ocean? Oh, yeah. We yeah, we see Ocean on that one. Just solved, just solved the contrast problem. Oh, oh no. It's back down. It went away. It's like, yeah, yeah put if your I hand that, If you just cover the camera, we're good to go. And then you get Ocean. There you go. Okay. okay. Well, well, it's fine. We'll try to solve that as best as possible. But, anyways, doing what we can. Good. So. Sucks. We're gonna have some lasers and all kinds of. This isn't live, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess um, besides all those things you've done, I mean, Justin's a PhD. He's done talks at uh, CactusCon, uh, RailsConf, RubyConf. I, uh, I mean, a lot of like conferences. <laughs> I've not spoken at RubyConf, but oh, it's okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I have done a lot of talks at RailsConf. Yes, uh, including in a couple weeks, I I'm kind of shocked they're not sick of me yet. So <laughs> clearly, I do a rigorous back rigorous background check. I just well, there are, you can see there are no notes. Yeah, no me, notes so. whatsoever. Mostly just a about to be uh, somewhat drunk, sunburn ginger. So, <laughs> um, so anyways, like. Uh, that's, I mean, again, I could keep, again, I could keep going on and on and on. I really could, but um, most humble PhD I've ever met. Uh, great guy all around. So um, the first thing we'll kind of start off with is your background and how you got into security. My origin story. Your origin story. So, um, yeah. So I was doing my PhD. Uh, I was really into Ruby. Still very into Ruby. And um, at the time, you know, I would, I would like watch all the recorded conference talks and stuff. And one of the companies I would see is AT&T Interactive would come up as like a sponsor on these videos for the conferences. And I was looking for an internship. I was in L.A. I was doing my Ph.D. at UCLA. I was looking for an internship. I saw AT&T Interactive was in L.A., had a bunch of internship positions open. So I applied to all of them. And the team that called me was the security team. Yeah. Nice. That's it, basically. Security team called you, so that's you're now working security for Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, they're really great people. Um, you know, I, I did my internship there. Um, Breakman started there. I open sourced it at the end of my internship. I actually went back to work for them full time, like, a few months later. Um so that was like my first full-time security job was at AT&T Interactive slash YP, Yellow Pages. Yeah. But During that tra weird trans. Yeah, we had like a, for half the year I worked for AT&T. It was real fun. Um, so, yeah, that's got to be weird. During well, because anytime there's like a transition of brands, there's always some weirdness, like new policies, a little bit of. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that like right before I started working there is when they got the AT&T Interactive name or yp and they are now yp again you can go look at what happened to the company um and i just remember it was like all the divisions of at&t must have at&t in the name <laughs> so that was like <laughs> basically where that came from right um so yeah i started started breaking as an internship project and then continued doing i was on the security team doing application security and that that started it all was so the whole like building building breakman that was just like filling a oh yeah, yeah we got this you got so some production going on too yeah eh, just well, some chairs moving around it's it's Hawaii you can't stress it 
You're not allowed to. State law. Yeah, that's that's what I've been told. State law. I've been very careful not to break the law. You don't want to break the law. Trying very hard. So when you built Brakeman, though, that was to fill effectively like a, a need, right? It was. And in fact, I can, you know, you were mentioning like uh, you were looking for a tool actually a couple years. No, around like right after it had been released, really. Really? Yeah. And um, basically what happened was, yeah, you know, I was new to security. I had actually, uh, not knowing anything about this, I had actually proposed like, well, if you just had like a tool that like looks at the inputs to the program and the outputs and like you could find XSS. So you weren't even familiar with? No, I had no idea what I was doing. So, uh, and the funny thing is like Breakman still doesn't actually even work like that, but that was like the idea that I had. The source to sync typical sort of AST. Right, which is not how Breakman works, but that like, (laughs) That was my idea. I was like, yeah, you just like look at the inputs and the outputs and you could like tell like they're unescaped and it's XSS. There's some like multi hundreds of million company, you know, like. So then what yeah. happened was, you know, I, I started working there and I was like, yeah, I want to like build this tool. And, you know, when I built it, the whole thing was like, I did look around. I'm like, okay, you know, like there's no commercial offering, so we can't buy it. Um, I, I, I know like, I tried nothing yet yeah. without your tool. And basically my thought was, and I'm sure I even said this out loud, was, yeah, so I'll build this to fill the gap until someone comes out with a, you know, one of these big companies will uh, Ruby Rails support and, you know, there will be no more need for Breakman, essentially. And here we are almost eight years later. Right. um, And there's only one company I know of that's tried. Um so Checkmarks supports right. Ruby and Rails uh, and Breakman Pro. Right. So the those are the only two that really have support for it. Which and I'm gonna say this on your behalf so you don't have to say it because this is it. not a sponsored uh, we can No say money what, has exchanged hands. No, no no we I mean and the point being that this is this whole the idea about this podcast is it's supposed to be opinionated. So I'm just gonna give you an opinion. Um, <laughs> He's already laughing. No, no, no. So it, let me explain. Like check marks is a big bulky thing that, and I'm not putting it down, but what I'm saying is like a big heavyweight thing that runs and got to set it up on, I believe it runs on windows and all that. It's a, um, a C sharp .net windows server. Yep. From, and, and this is from other people that I've talked to that have explained to me what, um, or what it was like to go through this setup as well. So, um, the difference or the benefit I see to Breakman, um, besides the fact that it's like a really just its analysis is great, but the uh, the fact that you can do like a gem install, if you don't, if you're not doing the pro version, you're just doing the free version, you do gem install Breakman, that's it. I mean, yeah, l- literally like it's installed, no issue, run it, and it's good to go, which means in terms of like the ability of a developer to get their hands on and run that tool efficiently, like triaging. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, that's, that's different, but in terms of at least it getting in the pipeline, the CI pipeline, CD pipeline, uh, developers being able to run it locally or wherever, um, you know, that's just, that's a huge, that's a huge difference from then like running some heavyweight program that requires some, likely very likely and i don't know this for a fact but likely some training on because usually that's what those big 
company source code tools requires on like how to get it to run and to so i don't i've, I've not personally mess messed with this i don't know but i mean so i, I can so two things one yeah breakman so breakman was designed on purpose because as an intern i tried out some tool just like security tools i'm like yeah i'm gonna like download a security tool and try to run it right and it was like i don't remember what it was so no no shaming yeah, yeah. but i downloaded a tool i tried to run it and it was like you had to pass op- options right to get it just to run i'm like i just want to see what it does so like when i was writing breakman i was like you can run it with no options yeah like if you run it in the root of your rails application it will spit out a report it's literally the easiest security tool i've ever run and totally like meant like i was like you don't have to type in any options you don't even have to give it a path just type breakman and it will run yeah uh, and then you know and I, I think to be fair to the big company big static analysis companies you know after that you have to do everything yourself right like right. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it in my CI. Great. I have to figure out how to do that. Right. Um, okay. I want like reporting. I want like failing builds. I want like some place where people can look at the. You kind of have to do that yourself, or find one of the many third-party providers. Handle false provide positives. That. Like false. you, you have support for false positives. Breakman has support for false positives. Yes. But very contentious. Oh if yeah. If Neil was here, he would, would uh, let yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, Neil, thanks a lot, man. Now he's busy. Yeah, he's running this conference. He's running this conference. So uh, In Hawaii. In Hawaii. It's very, it's very tough location to, to, to work out of. So. Well, we, we, we didn't know you were in Hawaii. You guys haven't mentioned that. <laughs> haven't mentioned it? Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the ocean is right there. I mean. I'm just... Yeah, exactly. We, we can't see it, right? For, the, <laughs> for those, of the, those of you that are listening only later, right? These guys happen to be in a bar. It, okay. Um, yeah, and the look on Seth's face is not a nice one. So, so that I can paint yeah, a picture. Yeah. He looks. He looks somewhat. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Curmudgeon. Just kidding. Curmudgeonly. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Okay, so but going back to it, you've um, going back to your origin story. So you yeah. built the um, you built the product, or so. Okay, so here's the timeline. You decide um, to join AT and T security team, and then you make the first iteration of Breakman, and that was what year? 2010. That was 2010. Okay, yep, summer of 2010. Um, I pointed out in the Breakman seven-year post, uh, Rails 3.0 came out like the week after the first version of Breakman was released. So um, it has like a lot of, like it was built for Rails 2.3. Ah. It was built for, that's what we're, that's what almost everyone is using. Right. Um, for those who are not familiar with Rails, there was a big like Rails 2.3 to Rails 3.0 was a very painful upgrade period for a lot of companies um, uh, unlike rails. rails 3 to 4 or yeah rails 4 to 5 uh i've heard that those are easier are they that's what i've heard i mean i'd imagine I, it's improved I, there was a big so as a security uh podcast um the the big change from 2.3 to 3.0 
was automatic escaping in templates for yeah. XSS prevention. Oh, that's right. Because before it was like you got to put a little to, H. Yeah, you had to do the <laughs> H or do the uh, the escape utils. Uh, yeah, call like CGI. CGI. Yeah, yeah. Shuma. Yep. So yeah. that was a big. That was a one of the big changes. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 So that that kind of sets the like vintage of Breakman. <laughs> Been around for a while. It's so. Um, but like, what's interesting is that AT and T allowed you to, or YP, uh, they allowed you to continue to work on that. Basically, keep that keep that software um, open to the public. To this day, it's still open to the public. There is a, again a professional version, but there is this OS. They allowed you to basically continue that and cultivate that and keep a community and keep iterating on it and building it. Yeah, I mean the the thing about it is um, I don't write Rails apps myself. Right. So for me, you know, I ended the internship. I did a presentation. By the way, shout out to the LA Ruby meetup, which was re really awesome to me and let me speak about Breakman a couple times. Um, and then like I went back to school. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this thing? Like, I, I have no interest in it. Um, and then essentially, there, there's like a very long story here, but I had to get a job. And AT&T called me and was like, we have a position open. Do you want it? I was like, okay. Um, yeah. So. Because you also like not living on the streets and stuff. So I like not living on the streets. Um, it's typically a very bad idea to get a full-time job while doing a PhD. Yes. Um, in fact, when I graduated, my advisor... I say yes, like I know. I have, it yeah, sounds right. It is. And, it is. Uh, uh, my, when I graduated, my advisor was like, you did like the two things that like kill PhDs. You got a full-time job. Yeah. And you got married like while you were doing your PhD. <laughs> and most of the time, that just like stops the PhD, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm persistent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's all it was. It was just like, yeah. no, I'm not quitting. Like sheer, sheer kind of will and grit kind of. Uh, uh, I, I think I just don't like quitting. Yeah. Um, and probably also part of the reason that Breakman has continued um, on top of, you know, something that I, I think I've probably expressed before, but um, I think there's something weird when you have a free open source security tool. Right. Like you can have open source and you can like one day be like, you know what, I'm tired of this and I don't want to do this anymore. But there's something about when you say like, well, it's a security tool and people are using it and like relying on really it. Really using, like baking it into their, like the business itself. You know what I mean? Like, like relying on the results of Breakman to literally determine if you're going to be on, if you're going to be Panera bread and, you know, well, be on the news. I mean, hopefully it will help you avoid that. Right. No, but, <laughs> and you know, in, in the nature of like that, because since that just happened, uh, the insecure direct object reference finding Breakman does say like, here's an unscoped lookup. I mean, it's not going to catch every for sure. It's you not going to have to turn on. Uh, that is an optional check for, for those <laughs> curious. It's an optional check. If you use the pro version, it is on by default, but uh, that is an optional check. It is a little bit noisy, right? Warning about like, Hey, you're using, you're not scoping a call to this model but this model is owned by another model. Maybe you want to scope it. And, um, and just real briefly to explain that, like well, what he's saying is like, consider a model to be uh, effectively a uh, table in a, in a, in a database. 
And so like, let's say you've got uh, a user model and that's a user uh, table in the database. So each user that goes in there has an ID, right? Like that's the primary key that increments every time a user goes in the database. So what Breakman is doing is it's saying like, if you're doing like user.find, which means, you know, look in that table for a user and then provide me with the database, you know, sequentially incrementing database uh, ID, then like I'll return a user object, which obviously if you're doing a, you know, yeah, Something so there's like, there's no authorization happening right, there. Essentially, exactly. no authorization. Um, so yeah, that is one of the finding or one of the warnings. Optional, you do have to turn it on because um, like, like it is a little bit noisy. Um, there are models that is like no, that's or like there are plenty of situations where looking yeah. up something. Well, like a coupon or something like you know, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. plenty of uh, for plenty plenty of use cases where that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's something about like a, a, a security tool that, that you provide, um, it, it, at least for me, I, I feel like an obligation. Like if I stop working on this, um, there's a possibility yeah. that like the world becomes a little bit less secure. There's a possibility. <laughs> and that makes me feel like, well, I got to keep working on it. It's not, uh, I don't, I would, I would say to make you. To, to, to make it, I think it's not just a possibility. I think it's, it's definitely an inevitability because without without support, you know, the the, the, the tool's not going to update as things change. And the, yeah, you know, contrary to popular, popular belief, Rails is still in use and Rails is um, yep. still evolving and there's new versions coming out. So that stuff has to be maintained or it's not going to work anymore. And then people are going to, yeah, and people like, are going to get annoyed because yeah. things change and what used to be dangerous is not dangerous anymore. Or, um, and that, you know, that's a lot of times the input I get from the community, it, which is extremely helpful, is like, hey, like in Rails 5 something, right. this has changed and now this is a false positive. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I didn't know. Well, and and to get to the heart of like the origin, so um, Seth, I mean, I definitely we want your input on this. I mean, I, I do because so this week, uh, origin story, our uh, the GitHub security team were all meeting each other face to face. Some of us uh, for the first time. So we did the origin story thing, and like what was interesting is we kind of everybody. Um, Kind of happenstance or like fell into security, but there were indicators for every single one of us that like basically all pointed in that direction. Meaning, like um, there was a story about uh, one of the guy's father. His father put a BIOS password on the computer, so he learned to like you know flip the <laughs> BIOS batteries so it would you know flash and it would be removed, right? And there was that, and every single one of us kind of had that, like, taking things apart, uh, figuring out how to get around systems, but, like, enjoying learning them in depth to get around them. Um, and so I'm curious, uh, Seth, Justin, you're kind of like, do you fall under that, that sort of, uh, as a child or teenager or whatever, natural curiosity, uh, wanting to get, you know, circumvent 
things or just like yeah. Seth, you want you want to go first since yeah, we're co-located. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like you know, we've had some comments about the, how it's good to hear you, the two of you actually talk. You know, Ruby and Rails security. So I'm not I'm not mad at all. I, I mean, obviously for me, I think I've I've talked about this a couple of times, um, or if you've heard any any of my talks. I, I was doing stuff on, you know, I was war dialing back in the day, right? You know, all the way back before before uh, caller ID went into place, right? We knew about it because we were looking for other BBSs that happened that might be up so that we could connect to them and play more games, right? That was, that, that was kind of my first real introduction into security um, or, you know, doing something like that. And I never thought it would be a job, right? And I think that's, that's echoed by a lot of people. Most of us are like, hey, I, I never thought that I'd actually do this, right? But what about you, Justin? I mean, obviously, so what was your PhD in? Yeah, so my PhD was not security. It was in uh, what are called mobile ad hoc networks or manets or manets, as some people pronounce it. <laughs> um, so it wasn't security related. Um, I, I will say, when I went into doing my PhD, I wanted to do programming languages. Um, and <laughs> I remember the first advisor I had, which I only had for like a month because I, I switched, was like, programming language research is dead. Do something else. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and my second advisor actually, he didn't say it in those words, but he was basically like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. But I took a bunch of classes. Mm -hmm. on on, I actually took a class on static analysis, um, some compilers and that kind of stuff. So when I went into making Breakman, I did have some background there, right. but I didn't have the security stuff. Um, in fact, I don't remember, I don't know if um, Tim Zaw is the guy who hired me at AT&T. And I don't know if he remembers, but I, I remember like the phone screening. He was like, okay, like look up. I, he probably said OWASP top 10, I'm not sure. But I definitely know he said, like, XSS and SQL injection. I was like, okay, I'll go look those up. Yeah. And I remember in the interview, maybe I remember this wrong, but I remember him saying, like, yeah, you were the only one who, like, actually, like, went and looked it up <laughs> before you came in for an interview. So, like, I really didn't have the security background. Um, I mean, I, I had a lot of programming experience. Um, and I, I love programming. I want to do programming languages. Uh, I, I definitely had the like taking things apart, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but security was not, I mean, when I went to college, I was like, what major has programming in it? Right. And I'm like, okay, there's something called computer science. I guess I'll do that. Like, yeah. I really was not like aware of like the landscape, like the job landscape or the industry landscape. No, and, there was no, I mean, back then there was no like industry. Whoa, okay. Like, well, I would say, how old do you think I am? Because it wasn't that long ago. No, I'm saying even as <laughs> as early as there. Okay, so there was an industry in yeah. 2010, but it wasn't. I mean, I don't feel like it was nearly what it is. Like DefCon was still even back then. Like, it was it was still big, but it wasn't. I mean, now like that whole. So there was Black Hat and DefCon, I guess, and there was, but it, I, I don't know. Well, but I mean, I wasn't even aware of like what the programming industry, like software industry, looked like. like oh, this no, is yeah. So this is earlier, right? undergrad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so like, I had no idea, yeah. and I, I think it's tough. Uh, my wife gets really mad because 
um, you know, we'll go to like a dinner party and people are like, so what do you do? And I'm like, uh, like, yeah, how yeah. do I explain what I do? Yeah. And my mom's like, so what do you like do at your job? Like on a day to day basis? And like, I don't like, don't first of all, it's always questions. different. Right. Yeah. In, in application security, like every day it's like something different. And I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, I don't. So I think, you know, to me that make it makes sense that it's confusing for people coming into it. Like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk about like the security pipeline and like the security and seems like majors and, and different programs are popping up at universities. But oh, yeah. There's it, definitely degrees now for it. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's starting to become more it's common. Mainstream. But it's still like I, I think people coming into it, it's still a confused, a very confusing world. Uh, it's so big mm-hmm. and people use diff- like the same terms for different things. Right. And yeah. I yeah, think, what what what's a penetration test, right? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean That's pen a, test, right? Pen test. Yeah. Most people not even really, penetration test. test. <laughs> yeah, I will be honest. I had no idea what people were talking about for like a couple years. I'm Tell like, somebody pen off test. the street what a pen test is. They're like testing. Like, a I don't pen? even use a pen. Like, like, <laughs> what? like I have it's an like iPad. A, it's like I a little paper at the store. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How old are you? A pen. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, but yeah, you're right. Even even that, even inside the industry, like Pentest has, you're, you're right, like four or five different major sort of sure like are they, are they are they testing the application there? Right. Are they just testing the network? Are they just doing yep. like red team kind of stuff? And again, like I, I feel like the application layer gets missed a lot. Oh yeah, you know, with with traditional pen tests. Yeah, if it's just like here's an IP block and maybe even and maybe even some domain names like go at it and then it's at that point it is from what and i want to have chris chris gates in the podcast um in fact all that's standing in the way of that is me putting sending a date <laughs> i mean honestly that's all it is. but anyways they they've brought up that like basically when they go and they that happens for them it's just, and this makes sense, right? It's just like, what, what is the, what is going to get me through the door? I don't care, like if it's a web app yep. or if it's whatever. It's what is vulnerable the quickest, so that I can then, because the hard stuff is like, from how they explain it, it's like once you get past that. So really, a web app to them, if I remote code execution, that'd be amazing. Can I get SQL? Can I get something that gets, and even SQL injection is like file inclusion would be potentially better, right? Like so. It just depends. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, I guess it's not really about the app, like the security of the application, right? It's just no. like how can I get into the systems themselves? Whereas this is an AppSec podcast, right, right, right. And and I think you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, honestly, you guys have like way more experience with this than I do, but the the business is ending up caring about the application layer right it's, sure. it's like uh do customers lose data do uh is data leaked you mentioned the panera bread thing right like yeah that had nothing that has nothing to do with getting into a, a corporate network or something that's just hey i can get all this information about your users by changing a number in a url right classic yeah insecure direct object reference classic um which, well, is, he, yeah, you know, is, is devastating and takes 
no time at all. It's not like you're mapping the network and finding like firewall rules that are like esoteric and, but they're allowed. And then, you know, it's not, it's none of that. It's just, it's, well, I can change this number. And then like, I see somebody else's data. Okay. I don't even need to write a script. I can just do some like bash and, you know, while whatever. And then if you looked at the actual attack, it was even better than that. Cause it was like, if you change the number to, um, like the phone number, it was basically doing a search on the phone number. But if you included all zeros, it would basically match every number after that. So if you did like nine five zero and then a bunch of zeros, it would dump you know nice. thousands thousands of records rather than you know just a single record. Um, oh wow! So it was. Yeah. You gotta wonder yeah, what that code looks it was, like. It was yeah. your direct object reference on steroids, basically, right? You know, searchable. So, is the yeah, site even back up? Because it went down and then it, they they no kind of patched it and then Krebs found more stuff and it's down again. Uh, due to our setup here, for those watching, um, you can see our hands are nowhere yeah, our near hands the keyboard. Are near, so we can't. There's not a lot we can do here in terms of uh, looking that up. But um, well, uh, I, I mean, probably, there, there's sites up, so I don't know yeah. what that means. Did you read the art? Not to like totally, but whatever. This is we got time, and you know. So, did you read like the whole medium article yeah. by the person who submitted? Did you see that? I didn't. I, I just read the uh, the one the, the first layer. I didn't read the. I, I saw something about the back and like the it back was re- and forth. It was reported like a long time ago, and yeah, nothing last happened. August. Yep, eight months. Eight months, yeah. And yeah. There were the, the, the initial response was like, as somebody who triages bug bounty reports for like my job, you know, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, you don't respond to somebody in such an aggressive, the first, and, and let me explain for yeah. those who don't, for, for you, for everybody out there, like the, the, the researcher was very polite, very nice, uh, was a professional and sent out a, uh, and the reason I bring that up, by the way, is you you do get as a uh, company there's certain there's a certain amount of folks that are just like trying to it's like the lawyer chasing the ambulance type deal where they'll uh, they'll say oh I've got this vulnerability like let's or like you're let's that kind of shit where they're trying to sell you something and they're not like there's nothing to it. This, however, when you read it, it's like again I do that for a living like triaging these and that's a very clear. Um, non-sales pitchy like i just want to send you this thing i'm not even asking for anything in return and then you can tell me if if you have any questions that's it right and the response from the uh from the from from panera bread uh, was like something along the lines of you uh i don't like being literally this is what said i don't like being duped and I don't like sales pitchy, like it was basically accusing this person before anything of trying to waste their time, do a sales pitch. It was a super aggressive, terrible response. Almost like they, I mean, I didn't see the article, but was yeah. it like they skipped to like the signature line where it's like researcher yeah. at, you know, some company. That's what it seemed like. And the, the and the researcher, by the way, responded super super nice again like they they were 
So the response was something along the lines of, okay, I get it, but that's not, I mean, and, and this is like very well worded, clearly somebody who's intelligent and articulate and thoughtful and is, you know, not trying to, you can just read from like that yeah, alone. He's doing you know, it all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just, it's very obvious. So then, and, and by the way, there was no bounty program submitted through. There wasn't even a security app in there. But this person like had to go through a, con- this researcher had to go through a connection. I assume, I guess a friend of a friend or whatever to then finally get to this person to even respond and get it like a, so they've already been introed at this point by somebody else, but yet this is the, the response to so them. They respond and they're like, Hey, look, I'm not trying to do that. Just give me the PGP. Uh, if you, if you want a PGP encrypted, send me that. Uh, otherwise like, you know, I can just send it to you. And then if you have any questions, whatever, I'm not looking for anything. So then they're like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, as you can imagine, we get a lot of like the tone switch was it's like, I don't know, like, it was like a bipolar type response. They, they probably actually went back and read the email closely. Yeah. Um, I mean, so at SurveyMonkey, we get uh, quite a few of those like, um, what we tend to get is like, hey, I found a vulnerability. Do you have a bug bounty? And like, just sort of, you know, unsolicited, right? Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. You know, the, the, I hope we always apply reply to them nicely um, because, like, the thing is, like, you never know. No, like, yeah. you never know if like they're they're gonna say like you don't have extreme options, or if they're gonna say, uh, "Hey, I found like a huge hole." Yeah, you know, like a really big problem. Um, that not that that's happened at Survey Monkey, but like, yeah. but like yeah. you don't you yeah, don't no, know but, what yeah. this person's gonna report to you, and you also kind of I think you and should to be fair about Survey Monkey that comment that can happen to anybody at any time, any company to think that you're like, oh, we we've got a great program, and, and yeah, sure, you, we've all got great. I mean, a lot of companies have great security programs. That doesn't mean that one day something can get slipped through, and then you don't have like a huge vulnerability. Which is why it's yeah, so important. So every to be, time someone contacts, yeah. like you, you, you have to be, you have to assume that they're doing it in good faith, and that they might have something real. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, and and you're a steward for the company, essentially, right? Like you are the face of security for the, the for the company, and so even in just that capacity, forget like. It could be a really sure. bad vulnerability. I mean, this like is the you, Hacker One pitch, right? There was some yeah. talk about this on Slack, right? It's like, if this is the, the pitch from Hacker One, right? Is like, if a company's being a jerk to you, hit the disclose button, right? Like, oh, okay. Like, so it, it, the idea is that companies will be nicer to researchers if they know that one day their words may be public, right? Oh, I see. Okay. I actually didn't read that. Or, or see that. Well, this was this was like a long time ago oh, okay, when we right. were talking to them. I don't. Maybe I. Maybe they don't sell themselves that way anymore. But the no, they still they they still do responsible disclosure. I mean, even I mean, I think that's why this. I know guy they do that. Yeah, reached out to Krebs as well because he's always offered that up. Right? If somebody isn't listening to you, I'll do it for you, and I'll talk to him because of his name, and they'll actually listen to him. Where they don't, where some companies don't listen to smaller researchers they just don't sure. and you know as we're kind of explaining right. companies get a lot of these kind of emails and 
you you just you just can't tell what's legit or not. I mean, it sounds like in this case it probably sounded pretty yeah. legit, but there's always the people who are like, "Oh, I don't want to send you your thing yet." And sometimes you'll get the, uh, "How much will you pay me?" before they even tell you what it is, right? Um, I that happens. I mean, there's yeah. And, There's all sorts out there. And right? at the same time, it's like you can't discount those people. No, you can't. You have no idea. Even if their grammar is horrible and like it's terrible, Actually, you don't know. They might send you something they legit. Might. <laughs> and, and grammar grammar really honestly, the only time it matters is like when you're like, oh, it can be frustrating when you're trying to extract something. But it's not an in, you're right, it's not an indicator of whether or not the vulnerability or the thing that they found like is either legit or not. It has they're like totally mutually exclusive so unless it's you know unless it's like it looks like a bot right like that's different but i, I suppose yeah <laughs> even yeah. then you might as well respond. yeah you might as well <laughs> oh so um so well i gotta get back to this nigerian prince he just emailed me so <laughs> hey i got, mon- your, I got uh, money, money and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be an interesting scam. Like when a Nigerian bug, prince bug, contacts you, you bug know, bounty, uh, yeah, from Nigeria. Like, I, I have your vulnerability. Yeah. Send send, <laughs> send one hundred dollars. No, send 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 point five bitcoins. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, now it's bitcoins, yeah. right? So look at me. I'm dating myself. <laughs> dollars. Who uses dollars? dollars? Western yeah. Union. Yeah, send them off. I bet you use a pen too. You know? <laughs> like, send me a copy of your passport. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so where were we? So, yeah. So the the okay, we talked about Panera Bread. We gave the origin or the background story on that. Um, uh, but like, what was the point of that? What were we? Where were we going with that with Panera Bread? I don't know, but I do want to mention bringing it back to like rails and security right 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 like the default way that rails does like restful routes for things is like idor right yeah 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 you know user slash one like that is the default for how it works yeah out of the box so like well that's (laughs) i mean that's and that's not just rails right that's most like if you look at node or any of them, right? That's that's how they teach you to do it. Is I mean, hey, just use that key because you know it's going to be unique. And here's there's your rest of restful endpoint. Yep. Right. Django's the same way, right? Yeah. Well, those all came after Rails, so I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> all right. They were all following Rails. So, okay, the hipster languages. All right. So let yeah. let me go back to what was the C one? Um, Axis. Was that the name of it? I, I, I guess those are XML. <laughs> those are SOAP endpoints. That doesn't count. Seth, Seth used a fountain pen, so that's <laughs> the difference. <laughs> I, I think I probably have one of those, but I can either, yeah. Hmm. For those who don't have video, that's a middle finger. No, <laughs> kidding <laughs> from Seth. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, I mean, note, let's yeah. tie it back to Rails security a little bit more, right? I, I mean, as you dug into it, and as you're like building this you know, static analyzer, um, you know what were the challenges that you ran into when you were doing it? I, I mean, like it, the the programmer and me wants to dig into like your whole like AST algorithm and how you're identifying vulnerabilities. I don't think we have time for that. 
but you know, kind of give us the hits on what was difficult, you know, how you, you know, when you were developing the tool, what were the main problems that you had and how did you solve them? Um, so it's funny, I actually, you mentioned CactusCon. I gave a talk there like, I don't know, a few years ago now. Like a while, it goes so yeah. fast. Was, um, <laughs> I think five years ago, 2013. Oh, I don't know. It, was, it seems like it was a long time ago. Um, there was basically like my tips for like building something like Breakman. And I, I've been pretty open with like how Breakman works. It's probably not awesome, but one thing that ended up working really well is when I started working on it, remember my idea was like inputs, outputs, XSS. So the first was, and it was like, okay, like how are templates rendered? How are, you know, uh, how are they populated? And like working backwards from there, which by the way, if you're interested in building static analysis security tools for rail, or not for rails, for web frameworks, that's my recommendation. Start from like what you want to find and work backwards from that to build the tool. Um, so, you know, going back to like 2010, uh, at the time, the only game in town for like building an AST was Ruby Parser um, from Ryan Davis. Um, I know nowadays there's, uh, there's another one just called Parser, which is not super easy to find. Uh, I mean, it is in Rubyland, but it's not a super distinct name, um, which yeah, is kind of a supposedly better and, and so on. But Breakman is very tied to the Ruby parser AST that's generated and so on. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, as far as challenges, you know, at the time it was like, OK, uh, let me find like a parser that generates. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. So uh, I need to be able to handle Ruby 1.8 and 1.9 like that, that was like the big thing uh for those who are not in ruby land that was a big jump from 1.8 to 1.9 a lot of people yeah it it's not quite as bad as the python 2.7 to 3.0 but it was like a rough time in ruby land and in ruby 1.9 it actually included a like experimental ast generator so like in ruby 1.9 in the standard library there's something called Ripper, which will generate an AST for you. But I was like, oh, but I got to handle Ruby 1.8 because we're using Ruby 1.8. Um, so Ruby parser it was. Um, and then, you know, probably the biggest jump is that going from you're looking for, I want to find unescaped outputs in a, a template that gets rendered, right? Great. Uh, Rails is model view controller. So that means I got to go to look at where the values come from. Generally, they're coming from the controller um, and basically pulling those values in from the controller to the template. And that's like the basis of Breakman is basically copying values from one place to another. And the main one is from controllers <laughs> to views looking for XSS. And then it's applied in other places like local um, local data flow analysis, and then some other places. Um, and, and that's kind of the core of Breakman. And it came from, I want to be able to find XSS. Uh, you know, so I don't know, the challenges at the beginning, which I hardly, now it's like hard to remember. I remember the 1819 yeah. thing. Yeah. I remember like, uh, again, like focus on Ruby or Rails 2.3. 
right. two three eleven actually um, at the time. Yeah, um, that was wild. Yeah. That was yeah. ages ago. It was ages ago, uh, eight years roughly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it was that, and then you know I think there's just been like a lot of things where I've just been like, well, Breakman can't find that. You know, like I don't know how I would build a rule to find that. Um, so it doesn't find things that I can't think of a way to find. You know, that's just kind of like the challenge of static analysis, I would say. So well, give us an and, example of that. Oh, sorry. Give us an example. Um, I mean, we talked about IDOR. Right? Yeah. You know, it has very rough, you know, sort of heuristic for that. Um, that's another good example. Well, like the, the, because, and I want to point this out, you also built Rails dash sqli.org again that's rails hyphen uh, sqli.org yeah it's got uh three rails three four five active record yep so basically there you know there's rails the major versions rails three four and five um over the last few years uh justin wrote this and he basically documents all of the kind of the big unsafe and i think you've made it clear like look this is just like the stuff that from playing around like and i know about and have found but like this is probably not everything that's vulnerable sure. in terms of sql injection but it's like the big stuff it's pretty comprehensive uh yeah that basically came out of i wanted to make sure breakman had coverage so, and i was like i guess i'll like make a spreadsheet or something <laughs> yeah and i was like well i guess if i'm documenting all this i might as well like put it on a website right. and actually you can download you can like go to the GitHub repo and like pull it down and like play with it. Uh, it's really bad Rails apps. Uh, yeah, it basically you... dynamically generates all the queries <laughs> like <laughs> like from a JSON file. Oh, really? It, yes. Oh, it, like, man. Yes, dynamically generates all the queries. That's the and, and... magic foot gun of Ruby as well. <laughs> in case everybody's, nobody knows. So, because, but, but see, the thing that he did, that Justin did was, he also, I mean, the reason you can play around with that code is he doesn't just show, like, here's the vulnerable method, but he also gives you, like, the exploit string and then how that actually executes your 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 input inside of, um, like, the active record kind of invocation of that. Yeah, basically, you can download it and run the app. Right. And when I put up the website, I basically, like, just generate, I, like... <laughs> <laughs> I run the Rails app and then I do a wget and pull like <laughs> it's uh, the page and then I put that up. Huh. Ruby, I think I'd get up. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Ruby, ladies and gentlemen. Like, if you ever hear anybody use the term "foot gun" with Ruby, there's a reason. It's because you can do some crazy shit on the fly. Um, in fact, if anybody, just as a again, I don't know who knows what about Ruby on on who's listening. Uh, it is hilarious, but the reason that it's possible is that um, effectively you can you can in Ruby more easily, I'd say, than even languages that have like runtime injection. Uh, you can define methods and classes. Everything's an object. That's the whole idea. Yeah, Everything's I an mean, object. It's can be defined extremely flexible language right. with um, you know a lot of yeah, like you said. Define methods at runtime, define classes at runtime. I mean, and if you ever look at the internals of Rails, they do this all over the place. Like so much of Rails is actually strings 
that get evaluated when you run Rails. Uh, to, and they, and this part of magic, they're like all these dynamic methods, you know, talking about like active record where you can be like, find by this and this and this at like as the method name. And you know that that has to be dynamic, right? Oh, yeah, so um, there's a lot of that power in, in Ruby and Rails takes advantage of a lot of that. Um, the, and and the that site I, that I threw up also kind of does as well. I mean, it's a perfect example of, and the way I've explained it is it's your application's building itself while it's running based off of various factors and like what's being sure. Like it could be like based on input or it could be based on just like different, you know, like, like you said, strings that depending on what happens, the different string gets turned from a string type into a class or yeah, for sure. Whatever. I mean, this is what rails does for you. This is, you know, uh, especially active record, which is the ORM for rail that comes with rails um, is just like, and this is what people hate about rails too, is like, it's so magical. Like, and I know some people have gotten upset about the use of the term magic with programming. Of course, it's not really magic, but the implicit stuff that you, that it does is both like it's like the blessing and the curse because yeah. it's amazing interface when you're using it you're just like oh my gosh i can just like like you can bust out a rails app in no time oh yeah it's a pain to use most everything else in comparison yeah, yeah. but for, for those of us that are familiar with it yeah but then it's one it's like super slow to do all that for kind sure of stuff. absolutely and it's like wait how like you're coming coming into it and like try to figure out what's going on in a rails app sometimes is like you don't know because well, there might be like one, like a gym somewhere <laughs> that's just like changing everything, <laughs> and you know, the level of everything. abstraction is basically the magic, essentially. Sure. Uh, I, I think um, the one that this was like early Rails that people started like falling in love with was like doing like one dot day dot ago like for like date manipulation, right, yeah. where they're they are patching the number class with dynamic methods to like generate dates, right? right? Which is amazing user interface and like so crazy from a programming perspective. Oh yeah, from like, hey, we're gonna, uh, here's an integer class or was it number in- integer, whatever. Like, it's, it's changed over time. Yeah, like, but the but, the, but, but For the, the Ruby of aficionados out there. <laughs> For those that are in the know, you know. Rails to whatever, you know, it changed to like a different unified class and whatever. <laughs> You no, know, it's neither here nor there. Uh, now we're calling dot day or whatever, yeah, which is know. added by Rails right. by Action Pack or whatever um, as a feature of the web programming framework. <laughs> You're getting this really nice date generation, um, but it's it's uh, it comes at a cost that abstraction, especially especially. Okay, and so like tying it back to Breakman, this is the kind of the beauty of it because, and probably as part of, I have to imagine the more, the more users you got over time, the more difficult this has been to maintain, and your challenges that were in the early versions have to look very different from the more recent challenges. Sure, I, I mean I think, um, you know, back to Seth's question. Mm-hmm. Immediately, what people ask is like, "Well, what do you do about eval? Like, what if I call it?" I'm like, "Well, then, like, it's not going to work." You know, 
And there's like a major disclaimer for Breakman, which is if you're building a Rails app that doesn't look like a normal Rails app, it's probably not going to work well. Right. Like that's just that's just how it is. Um, something that I'm surprised hasn't come up yet is the Rails motto of convention over configuration, right. which essentially is what enables Breakman to work on such a dynamic language. Is that Rails just has a way of doing things and people tend to follow that way and you can make assumptions about how an application works because of that you know like oh these are controllers why because they're in app slash controllers right and the class name has controller in it okay. yeah i mean even django and mvc well it's i think backwards or is it, I mean, it's yeah, essentially it's an MVC, but I think that like it might be like a template or something. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Anyways, views are really controllers, and then yeah, they use, yeah templates yeah. as views, and but it, it's it's essentially an MVC. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah, views or controller. Yeah, views.py is can your controller and actions, whatever. It's weird, <laughs> but the structure can, can be pretty much whatever you want. Yeah, you have to configure it in a, a what like settings.py. Like you have to put the root of how it all gets kicked off from this structure. But essentially, it is configurable, whereas, which I would have to assume that's why Breakman can, yes, both handle, like you said, well, yeah, I mean, you're the, you've said it, and <laughs> you built it, so I believe you, but that it can work so well, um, it's why, and I think this has been an interesting choice because I know... I've hounded you over the years to build, and I still troll you at least like You're not once. the only one. You get trolled so hard about like, oh, well, like there's no Go tool or there's no Node tool that's, you know. Yeah. So just build it. But Which, by the way, is why I made that talk, which you can go look up from CactusCon <laughs> that talks about how, like, how, how I did it. <laughs> we want you to build it, Justin. Yeah. No, but like those, I mean. It's a lot of work, though. You've you've stayed on top of one thing and one thing only, and uh, it is like you said, it, it's a framework that follows a very explicit convention. So it is. I mean, I'm not even going to say it's easy. You know, there's challenges for sure, but it it's an advantage that way, right. and that you can make assumptions well, I'm about right to the guy who, yeah, yeah. well, sure, but you know, yeah. Rails. I mean, like, yeah. it, and it, if, if you compare it to like. Um, even if you compare it to like Sinatra and yes, I've thought about Sinatra support actually quite a bit. Maybe one day it will happen. Um, do people just real quick, do people do what some of us have tried to do and like shove? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm going to say is shove <laughs> some bits of code that you know are basically controllers and actions into folder structures to trick break. I've done it. It doesn't work very well, but I've done it. Try to trick Breakman into, I mean, it works well enough given it's not a fault of breakman. It's like trying to use the wrong thing. It's like using a wrench when you need a hammer. So there's that, but yes. So, uh, and there was for how long ago, but Neil actually, Neil Matatal a while back, your, one of your previous guests, you can go look up. Who again failed to show up today. Thanks, Neil. Because he's actually putting on on this conference. Um, So whatever. Yeah. So, he added the force, the force option, right? Which is what I t- I'm like. Look, you can use this <laughs> and try uh, to make Breakman work on, you know, whatever it is you're trying to get it to work on. And there are no guarantees and no warranties. And uh, I'm not going to support you. Um, and 
you know, actually, this this is this might be an interesting thing uh, for you guys to answer. Is like people are like, I want to just like give Breakman like a gym that it like scans. And I'm like, well, what would like what vulnerability would it find? If you're scanning a web framework or a web application, you're looking for web vulnerabilities. Right. If I'm going to scan a random .rb file, right. Like, what do people expect to find? Well, okay, so, and I'll tell you what what they expect to find. Like uh, anything to like call that might be weird. Anytime that you see like a, uh, you know, like SSL being turned off for whatever reason, like and because. Why I say that is it might be like some suspect call out to, you know, some way. Because when you install, like one of the, the main issues with back, you know, you, you remember back when uh, people were, you know, exploiting the Ruby ecosystem, or at least like <laughs> trying to get coverage for exploiting the Ruby ecosystem, sure. putting in those vulnerable gems, uh, or, yeah, uh, I shouldn't say vulnerable, I should say. Proof of, proofs of malware. concepts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, proof, uh, well, proof, proof of concepts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, they were basically calling out to their own servers, mm. if I remember correctly. So that's suspect, but even like file. Well, I mean, you can't really, because lots of stuff works. Yeah, like, like where you, files, yeah. Um, even the, so I will say like Breakman would find that stuff if you just point it like at a random file. Right. The two things that you mentioned, turning off SSL and uh, like, I would say um, unsafely making system calls. But the, the the thing is, like, un, like maybe that's the whole point of a, a program is to make system calls. Yeah. And, like, you know, again, to answer Seth's question twice, um, yeah. uh, one of the things that's hard about static analysis is knowing, like, is this value dangerous or not? Now, in Rails, and what Breakman does is, like, hey, params is almost always query parameters. That's a Rails standard. So params is probably dangerous. Right. Cookies is probably dangerous. Session might be dangerous. And then things that look like they came from the database, something flying at me. Uh, yeah. Those might be dangerous. But if you say scan a, a, a library, how do you know what's dangerous? Like that, that's a hard thing. Like how do you, I don't know how you would know. And that's why I don't support that because I mean, don't well, support it in the sense of like, this is a man. Yeah, I mean, and that's where those big, you know, static analyzers, right? The static analysis tools like Fortify or AppScan, Solverse. That's where they supposedly make their money is in the, hey, you know, this is taint analysis, right? Sure. But if you, I mean, you see the number of false positives that come out of that. And I, like, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that buys them that much because of the amount of manual labor that it takes to actually go and trace that stuff down, right? I do wonder about that, and I, I, I think Neil mentioned this too. Um, Neil and I work together at Twitter, which is where like a lot of this is coming. Me talking yeah. about Neil, also work on Breakman Pro together, and, yeah. and so on. So that's why I'm talking about Neil. But um, man, now I forgot what I was going to say. Well, no, and actually, while you're collecting your thoughts, uh, I was going to add like I do remember. Okay, well then, just go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Don't so, forget. So the idea of like I, something to set this up a little bit. I tweeted this out like a long time ago, but like the hard part about building a static analysis security tool is not finding vulnerabilities. It's not finding false positives, right? 
Like no one cares if you can find vulnerabilities, but it's buried in a bunch of false positives. So most of the work is actually avoiding false positives. And maybe to your point, Seth is like, I don't know personally, but maybe the effort of building these custom rules with taint analysis and so on is not worth, is actually more work than just like simple grep to find the string that's suspicious and then validate it manually. Maybe that's actually a better use of time than building it. I don't know because I haven't worked it on might these be. big tools. I, mean, I don't it know. I mean, maybe we can get some of the, you know, Codescope or the Synopsis guys. Or I, I don't know. I, like, it'd be an interesting discussion with some of those guys that actually work, you know, low level on vulnerability identification. I mean, I know how we do it from a manual perspective. And you would think that the tool would be attempting something similar, right? You know, it's. So something that uh, comes up sometimes with Breakman is that people either think it's like way smarter than it actually is or than it actually is. And some of that smarter is like, you know, when you think about you're trying to get a program to, to do what you just said, you're trying to get a program to look at another program and look at it like a human would yep. and understand it like a human would. And that's actually like really, really difficult to do, um, which is so. So, the, the so to follow on that, you know, when are you going to add AI to Breakman? Is that you know the only way that you can do it? <laughs> I I don't even I don't know how you would do that. It's an interesting idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I were to do something like that, it would definitely be like I don't know, feed in a bunch of Rails apps, throw it at some machine learning. I, I don't know. I'm sure someone's working on that problem. Yeah. Um, but I bet a lot of it comes back down to like find a suspicious looking bit of code and like, you know, <laughs> grep. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah. I mean, starting with like grep and then you do like what some people call like semantic grep, which is working with an AST, but you're still just like, okay, find me a method call that looks like this or find me code that looks like this, but at least it like won't match a comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or some, okay, and you know, some it has some context. Right. It has some cons what the, the semantics of the program in terms of like, this is a method call, but it doesn't understand like, is this dangerous? Where'd this value come from? That kind of information. Um, honestly, when, when I think about it, um, if you don't have a commercial or open source tool for your language or framework, all you want is visibility into the code that's getting shipped. And a very simple way to do that is to have something that has rules for grep that just look for things that you know are suspicious in your code base. Right? Right. And that's like a perfectly reasonable thing that gets you, I think it gets you way farther down the road than people think it will. Yeah, and like, again, the reason we talked about, I'm gonna reiterate it for Justin. Um, this, isn't, this isn't somebody, like think about what's being said because you're not talking about somebody who like never built, who's basically like, oh, I, I don't know much, but I, I'm sure grep is fine. Like I, I know Justin, very smart guy, again, built, I mean, he's been working in static analysis for a long time. So, you know, like, I, I, 
I value that opinion more than I would most people. So for I mean, what it's worth, if you have it available, you might as well use a tool. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you talk about like the linters as well. Right. I, and I've always said that, you know, security testing is really just glorified QA testing. If you know an app, you can definitely tease a lot of this out using those QA tests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's, it really depends on like how you set it up, right? And, and really, really depends on the culture of your company. That is like the biggest thing is like, what is the, the, the development culture at your company? Um, when Neil and I were at Twitter, we were like too scared to get like in the way of deployment. Like we were just too scared. Um, or at least I was. I think the team in general, we were too worried about false positives preventing code from shipping. And then I would talk to other people and they're like, oh yeah, we threw it right in Jenkins, fails if there's any warnings. And I'm like, whoa, you know there's false positives, right? And they're like, no, it's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's if your culture is cool with that and people are cool with like, yeah, there's some false positives. I mean, uh, I've been one of those people who is fine like putting in, looking for at a, with a certain level, because you can pass in like, you could say like, here's a level of confidence. Sure. If it hits the high confidence, so it's fairly confident that you know whatever it's looking at is actually a vulnerability. And then, you know, like specific checks like SQLi, XSS, command and, uh, injection. I would never probably, I would never do like unscoped find or anything like that. I mean, I mean that, right. but like for those big ones. And again, I guess it does. It depends on your culture. It depends on Since your business culture, model. There's, um, you know, speaking of being like old. <laughs> uh, like, I, I think that there's just a a mindset at a lot of companies and for a lot of developers now where it's like, okay, like I hook it up to like Code Climate and I hook it up or I hook it up to um, PyLint and I hook it up to uh, the Node one, JS Lint, and like I just deal with it. And I'm right. used to getting automated feedback from the machine, from the CI, CI process and I'm just used to it, right? And I, and that's part of our process. And I'm not worried about it. So if I can throw a security tool in there, yeah, why not? Um, and I, I think it's when you're trying to introduce it at a an established company that you have to be more careful about it, and and then you end up building something where you're not in the way of code going out. But it, it's really really culture dependent. It is um, whether right. you can set that tool in line with deployment or not. But the thing with Breakman is that it is so it is so easy for developers. It is essentially a security lint tool like you're saying. So it and because it's not hard to install, it's not hard to get up and running. It feels and behaves just like anything else. Now like again maybe not always uh, maybe not every developer is like looking at it and saying like, "Oh, I totally know whether or not I'm vulnerable." But honestly, most developers can figure out if, like, you're saying, like, I'm, you know, I don't know, you're calling raw or whatever on, like, this thing. Like, it's not hard to Google and, say, and someone be like, holy shit, that's bad. Like, stop doing that. Here's a better alternative. So it feels natural. It is essentially a security linting tool and um, easy for developers to get going. So what, um, what are the contrasts? Uh, between Breakman and Breakman Pro, 
<laughs> yeah, I know this is, you know, I'm curious. What, what, yeah. What, uh, in your own words, you know. Sure. I, I mean, of course, like the, the, the most obvious thing is that we have like a desktop GUI <laughs> that right. you can like run and manage your vulnerabilities in that GUI. Um, and, you know, we've gotten good feedback on it in terms of just enabling people to go through those results. At, we, I mentioned it earlier, right? Like, Breakman is great at the, like, yeah, you can run it right away. It's easy to throw in your pipeline, et cetera. And then you start wishing you had the, like, management and, like, yeah. false positive management and this and that. Um, so Breakman Pro, there is, like, a desktop app for it, which is pretty cool, I think. Um, I do, too. I've used it. I use it. So. Thanks. Yeah. Um, there's also, there, there's, of course, there are like a few more rules that aren't in the open source one. They tend to be noisier um, or else like they introduce some overhead. Uh, we were mentioning briefly like data flow analysis. <laughs> there is more data flow analysis <laughs> in the pro version, um, which, so the pro version is interesting. So I've learned a lot about like the world of commercial static analysis and security tools in general and how it is that people sell them and how companies want you. So like the question I usually get is like, does it find more vulnerabilities? And I'm like, well, it may find more vulnerabilities. Right. It may also find fewer because it actually, there are, because of more data flow analysis, it will actually cut out some false positives. So right. like, if you look so, at like absolute number of findings, it may go down, but they'll probably be better quality. Or they might go up and be more false positives because the pro version does report a lot more. Uh, one example is like in the open source version, it will only report an XSS when it knows that it's probably a dangerous value. Whereas the pro version will tell you about everywhere you're outputting something without escaping, whether it looks dangerous or not. And those are info level warnings that you can ignore if you want. Um, so that's that's another big difference. Uh, we also have something that I think is kind of cool. Um, you can like run the pro engine in like your C and it will output like a zip file and then you can open that in the desktop app. That's kind of cool. Uh, we do have some support for custom rules, um, uh, things like that. We, we have uh, Excel output from the desktop app. So right. if you want to export to Excel, uh, speaking of, by the way, speaking of like Ruby and the Ruby ecosystem and one of the things that's like amazing about it, there's like several gems for writing, like generating Excel files. And I, I picked up one. I don't remember exactly which one. It's like XLS, X writer or something. Right. It's awesome things and like, and like graphs and stuff. And I'm like, it was like really easy to add that to the product, which was amazing. Yeah. Ruby, I mean, you can I love Ruby <laughs> and you can create PDFs with prawn. Yeah. So we have also PDF output um, with prawn. Um, you also get like commercial support from yours truly um, <laughs> with the pro version. Pager, you have a pager that you you know you answer with four calls. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start. No. I just got right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like uh, Justin. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, like, do you have a question? 
no. Wait, can you call me? This is priority one. Yeah, priority one. <laughs> Shoot, there's like some other pro feature that is like actually pretty cool that I that now is like escaping me, which is um, why I'm not a good sales or business person. Uh, remember, when you ask me, will it find more vulnerabilities? I can't answer you in a straightforward <laughs> way. <laughs> well, you can do it in an honest way, though, which is more than, you know. Yeah. And I just want to be clear. Like, I like talking about what you're doing because, well, it's been so useful to me in my career. Like, honestly, a huge. I mean, I wouldn't had I wouldn't have had coverage the same way. No, nowhere near the same way. So I believe, but I use it and I believe in it. That had been said, like, this is, this is like Seth and I's podcast. Like we don't, there's no, this is no, there's no, not sponsored. I never really plan on it. This is for us to say like what we, so when I say that I like the products <laughs> that you build, man, I'm, I'm saying it cause I, I use it and I fucking love it. And uh, not cause someone's, uh, tell me so we don't have a uh it's not a SaaS, by the way a lot of people are like uh so you're building a SaaS. i can like hook it up to no we do have a partnership with code climate that i mentioned like you can get breakman pro running on code climate which is up in the cloud and hooks into your github and all that stuff you can also just use the open source version on github or on code climate as well um pro version you get this stuff and you get like nice little descriptions with like more information about the, the warnings um, but yeah, you know, I'm not a business guy. Like, right. uh, it's really, really obvious if you look at our business, uh, Breakman Pro. Um, really, it was just like I wanted to be able to justify spending time on some of the things that just take more time, like right. building a desktop app. Actually, Neil did almost all that. So, um, and you did J Ruby, and that is a pain in the ass. Yeah, J Ruby. JRuby FX, which is Java FX on JRuby. Um, I know we, we got a shout out um, our our UX guy um, Adam. Uh, he like it, it looks really nice. I we got to go back and find the screenshots of what it looked like before he like skinned the whole thing. <laughs> and it was like default widgets and all this stuff. Because it was so ugly. It was before you released it. So no one really has seen it. Was this back when when I first saw it? I don't remember what it looked like when I first saw it. You may have seen it before we got it looking I think all you guys sleek were like, and black. And yeah, because I think you guys were like, we, we built this thing. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever building anything, hire someone to do the UI and UX for you. Like, that's that's my advice. Well, and like... At least you guys did choose FX because swing is such shit. And I know because I built a JRuby swing, but like even just <laughs> swing in general, it's, it's, it's like mo- mo- in terms of modern day, like I think you guys went the right direction with FX. Yeah. I, I, so before Neil and actually Jim Manico jumped in on the uh, Breakman Pro stuff, and he's one of the co organizers. Co- also a co organizer yeah. of this conference. I think it's Dave it's, Lewis. It's a very small world. Oh, yeah. I think it's Dave Lewis, Gattaca, Jimenico, and Neil, I want to say. I thought Jeremiah Grossman was also. Oh, so, so, yeah. Sorry. I'm forgetting people. Yeah. The island people are organizing yeah. the conference. Um, yeah. So now I forget entirely. Oh, yeah. Java FX right. is, is like. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, I had basically gone through and 
um, again, I, I love Ruby and like I'm most productive in Ruby. So I'm like, okay, like what Ruby GUI toolkit cross-platform, uh, somewhat modern, like blah, 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 blah. And like basically it came down to, and hopefully no one gets mad about this, but like JRubyFX was like the only thing that like, you know, like where are you going to use like Tickle, like TK Tickle. Never heard of that. Like uh, it's a pain. Uh Is like Cuddle Comfort? <laughs> there's like... Um, <laughs> Fox or FX Fox lib something huge pain. There's shoes, but that's not made to be used as like really like a commercial like uh, product, and also has ended up splitting into like multiple things to get operating system. Anyways, this is like total like rail, uh, Ruby land discussion. But well, really, it came down to like if you can stomach using the JVM, use JRuby, use JRuby FX. Um, it it makes using Java effects even cooler and easier. Right. Like the way it wraps stuff is like again quite magical. Yeah. But pretty cool. Um, like again, Neil did most of the work on it, but I've been able to go in and do stuff. And I'm like, oh, that was like really easy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like I need a menu. Oh, okay. Like that was really easy. Like it, it's a total shout out to. Um, to them on, on the work on JRuby, on JRubyFX, and then JavaFX is a pretty sweet. Um, I hope that um, Oracle help like continues to support it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely better than Swing, and I don't know about the Cuddle Comfort or Tickle, whatever. But <laughs> you know, FX is a, it's not a bad, not a bad no, choice. No. Um, and as the user, the, the interface is nice. So that's What's that, Seth? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at about an hour and a half now. So, um, oh, wow. Hey, I talk a lot. We, we, we've well, been going for a while. You're here. I go. That's why you're here. So, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I, I mean, it's great. Right. So, um, but I like, I, you know, we'll just try and cut it off here. I, I, would, I just wanted some final thoughts from, you know, you, Justin, on, you know, advice to people like either getting into security or, you know, coding up a security tool, how would you recommend somebody go about doing that? Yeah, well, uh, go watch my CactusCon talk. <laughs> it's on okay. YouTube. Um, and I hope this is not too self-promotional, but like a couple weeks ago, I went through and on my personal website, which no one has brought up that my handle is President Beef, but presidentbeef.com. I have all the talks I think I've ever given with like links to the videos and slides. So you can go there and like go to the CactusCon talk and I talk about like what I think makes Breakman special um, and how to do it. Um, what I, this is like, oh man. So when, when I was working at AT&T, um, Breakman went out, Tenza, who was very involved in uh, like OWASP and stuff in LA, um, he was like, hey, we should like submit a talk to AppSec USA. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and he submitted the talk. That's mostly your response. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like for everything. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, okay. I had no idea. Sure. I'm like, a talk? I don't know how to do that. Like, yeah, if you want to do it. Um, so we went and we gave this talk. And um, Brian Chess from, uh, shoot, what's his comp- what was his company? I can't. I, yeah, it's product. Uh, he wrote the book on static analysis security. Like how yeah, to do yeah. static analysis for security. 
Um, he, so he literally wrote the book on it. And he had like a super nice comment that he wrote up on a blog post, which was basically like, we didn't worry about like the, the theoretical side of static analysis. Like I said earlier, it was like, start with the problem and work backwards to like figure out how to get the thing to do that, to find that issue. Um, most static analysis starts from, okay, like we're gonna build an AST, we're gonna do these cool things on it, we're gonna open up like our compiler's book and like figure out how to do this and that and data flow analysis and like build these basic blocks and, um, and it's not all this building thing. to solve us one specific problem and iterating. Exactly, which is what, I mean, that's really how software development works anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, that's what I found has worked. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's start with the problem that you want to solve and work backwards from there in terms of building security tools. In terms of getting into security, I, I don't know if I have like really good advice since I got into it super accidentally. Um, <laughs> I would say it's a huge, huge field, and there's probably some thing in security that other kinds. I mean, it's right. such a huge field that, and I, everyone says this, but it changes all the time. Things are evolving. There's new stuff. Everyone's talking about cryptocurrencies. Yeah. I've, completely steered clear of those so please don't ask don't have any uh, blockchain advice for us no blockchain advice um there's a guy doing a series on how to build a blockchain in ruby you can go look it up um i will actually yeah (laughs) anyways um so if you're interested in security i don't know uh, probably the best thing is like attend a meetup like go to like an oas meetup they're all over the place uh they're free go to an oas meetup chat to people um if you can go to like a B-Sides conference, which are almost always free or extremely cheap, like $20, $30. They're not mu- yeah, they're not much. Um, go to those. There's probably one near you. And start l- looking at what people are doing in security and see if it's something interests you. And honestly, like security job market, I think we're all well aware is like so hot right now. So hot. So hot. <laughs> it's good. And... But as a reminder to those who may be young and new to the, 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 or whatever, maybe not young, but just new to the the field, like uh, on that point, yes, it's a big field. Yes, there's a lot of jobs, but the community is small. So fair warning, don't be an asshole. Like, re- <laughs> because like, you know, people yeah, matter. You're talking about bread guy's name yeah, 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 yeah. is like out there. And we just talked about what a jerk he is. And I haven't even read the email. <laughs> yeah. Now Justin's all fired up, you know? Thanks. No, but, uh, because you're talking about meetups, you're talking about conference, and, that, and that's ultimately what it comes down to, like the connections. Like we've known each other because of similar, you know, we were going through yeah. similar Rails security catastrophes of 2011, 12, 13. All, all the connections yeah. I have, um, my coworker Carla, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her a shout out. She's always mm-hmm. like, oh, like everyone knows you, and like I'm like, no, like what happens is I built a tool that a bunch of people use. Then I went to conferences and I stood up in front of people and talked about it. They saw me. They talk to me, and now, like, I know people. If right. I see them enough times, I'll remember them, and then I know them. You know, like, that's you're, just that's you're just explaining basic social. <laughs> you're deconstructing basic social order, but that's but what I'm saying anyway, is like. I, so you talk to people a couple of times, and then you know them. No, no. We got no, it. 
particularly getting up in front of people and talking about something, yeah. you're going to make connections. Uh, putting tools out, if you can put out tools um, that are useful to people, you're going to get like people are going to use them and you can you can promote them. You can go and talk. Um, I guess I didn't mention like build an open source security tool that people use. That's like a most amazing way into into security. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're doing something that helps people. People love you because, well, love is maybe a strong term, but like you get like a lot of... Um, Usually people aren't mad at you for giving free code away. Yeah, there you go. You know, uh, you know even if it's not great. False positives aside. You know, yeah. Um, not asking, I'm saying like, even if somebody who's like, ah, I'm just doing this to like learn. Yeah. Still, you're not like, unless you're doing like, there was some... To the auto exploit thing, there's a little bit of, but whatever. Like, be careful, but yeah, be careful. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll I'll definitely see the realm of open source security tools is not saturated, and is not. There are some projects like Metasploit, probably super mature. Um, Breakman, kind of kind of mature. Um, what what else? I, I'm sure there are mature ones out there. But if you have a desire to get into it and build things, there's so someone. No one has built a Breakman for Django. No one right. has built a Breakman for Node. Um, no one is. I guess there's kind of a PHP one. But like, even though people have approached me about these things, and there's been interest in, and people said like, yeah, I'm kind of working on this or that. It's it's a hard problem, um, and it's a fun problem. So tackle those problems a good one be uh, elixir and the phoenix framework so phoenix has one. Oh, it does uh it? yeah there's one for phoenix i'm sorry i don't remember the name but there is one for phoenix uh that oh. people seem to like i'm gonna have to check that out yeah definitely check it out the thing that i can't remember the name of yeah <laughs> we'll look that up um, we'll i did want to thank you yeah i did want to thank you because we had mentioned on this podcast a couple times we're trying to promote you know speaking of the whole the whole thing is like this podcast we want to talk about about our opinions obviously hope that helps but we also want to give information to folks who maybe um don't know much about the field or they're just into it or whatever like um and then also like another kind of thing is to promote a little bit of diversity and inclusion and, and try to get basically like i think both seth and i are of the opinion that the more differing types of opinions that can come into this field, the more we all grow, the better it is for us. Yeah. So um, you did something which I really loved, which was sponsor this conference. And so thank you. Well, that's the diversity piece to that. And I just wanted to thank you. Um, yeah. So I think there are a few different sponsors for the conference. Um, uh, Neil was like paying out of his like airline miles for people um promote diversity at the conference for people to come to the conference and i was like we can pay for like breakman pro could pay for a couple of those um and they they we and a couple other companies paid for uh some of the, the diversity scholarships i guess for people to come uh right. to the conference and you know awesome for the conference and for neil for doing that um for us i mean for breakman pro is kind of no-brainer um to support the conference and of course diversity um I, I think the, our battery's about to die. The by the way, die. yeah. So but if we, let me just say that that 
what you said is like a basic should be really a basic tenet of security right like yeah. people coming in with different viewpoints is how you break things yeah right that's exactly like, the point. like if everyone thought like um you know happy path i'm building this tool and no one's ever going to do anything mean to it then you wouldn't have security no so it, yeah it's kind of a no-brainer that we would want in any field and especially in security all kinds of people Yes, from, the from more all the kinds better. of backgrounds. From the different background, I mean, the diff different backgrounds, different opinions. You know, that's the only way we grow. Cool. Seth, our battery's about to die here, so if we stop broadcasting, anything you want to put out there before we stop the broadcast? No, just just join us next week. I think we'll be back to our regular time. Um, you know, if somebody can make it back from Hawaii in in one piece, <laughs> that is. We'll see. Um, but you know, thanks to. Justin, right? And you guys for hanging out no while problem. you're while you're on at a conference in Hawaii. Work. <laughs> this is hard yeah, work. Working, okay. Working yep. And yeah, we'll, we'll chat soon. So, thanks everybody for joining. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks everyone. Thanks again, Justin. Really appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. Bye.